Do you have those people in your life that are just part of you? Um, there's a line from Wuthering Heights, and don't stop listening because I'm about to quote Wuthering Heights, but there's a line from Wuthering Heights. Uh, I'm just a nerd, and that's okay. So anyway, there's a line um, that Emily Bronte wrote. Uh, the main character, Catherine, is talking about this other character, Heathcliff, and, and the line says this. It says, whatever our souls are made of, his and mine are the same. And I just think that that sentence is something that um, defines a special, very few people in our lives. And, and one of those for me was my grandmother, my, my mom's mom. Really, both of my grandmothers um, were that kind of special person in my life. And so, uh, side note, if you are a grandparent, and we have plenty of you in our congregation, thank you. Thank you for what you do. You have access to this really beautiful and unique relationship it's it's a huge deal and so we see you we love you and i'm so grateful you exist uh my grandparents changed my life and you're doing the same thing and so um anyway one of those people for me was my grandmother my mom's mom and and she uh for me was just she was just this place where i felt safe and where I felt known and where I felt understood. I, I adored her. And equally uh, important, she adored me. We just adored each other. And, and I felt like our souls were made out of the same stuff, that we were made out of the same stuff. To me, she was hilarious. I don't, I don't know that everyone would describe her as hilarious, but I thought she was hilarious. Uh, like once while uh, she and I were sitting on this deck watching my uh, oldest kids Camel and Graham play and and they were just playing and wrestling and rolling around and and my grandmother I remember she looked at me and with this big smile on her face she said do you think Camel and Graham will live to adulthood and I was like what kind of who asks that like that's a terrible question uh, which to be fair if you've ever seen my kids play it, it's actually not an incredibly unfair question um, but so I just died laughing and I was like I mean I hope so like is that what every parent hopes for their kid and um, and then she said this she said I'm thinking of buying them helmets for always and it really was a pretty good idea like if she had been able to drive at the time she would have gone to the store right at that moment and bought them a helmet and asked them to wear it every second of every day for all of their lives. Uh, I thought she was hilarious. Uh, in her last few years, um, my grandmother, her mind started to kind of float away if, if maybe you've had a similar experience with someone you love as they age. Um, things start to just sort of not work the same way and and for her dementia came kind of swiftly and I feel like it stole a lot of the things that we treasured at the very end of her life uh, when she went into the hospital for the very last time I got to spend some days and some nights with her uh, that's what we did uh, we rotated kids and grandkids we would take turns the day shift and the night shift and we would just sit with her and be with her and um, and, and so basically what we did is we sat in a room with a woman who was dying in her final days, in her final moments, or her final breaths. And if you've ever been in a room like that, um, it's like this thick and brutal honor. And so um, my, my tiny 87-pound superhero uh, to me, tiny, hilarious, wonderful grandmother, she sat in a bed at this point in time with no real grasp of what day it was or what year it was or what time it was or even who I was. And one afternoon while I was sitting with her, uh, she thought that I was her daughter, Kathy. Kathy was my aunt who had passed away when I was a kid and who was her very best friend in all of the world. And, and, um, and so she thought that I was her. And so she looked over at me and she uh, said, Kathy, will you sing to me? And that was a big mistake. My aunt could sing. I cannot sing. But, and so she asked me and I said, I'm not who you think I am. And she said, sing to me. And I said, I'll sing if you sing. 
and my grandmother just starts singing and she honestly wasn't a great singer either but she starts singing and, and and it was these hymns and it wasn't like one hymn after another it was just this like conglomeration of hymns like a medley like one line from one hymn repeated after one line from another hymn and it was just this this beautiful moment of her singing the songs of her life and and, and then it got really quiet and I thought she fell asleep and and I was just sitting in the room and I was kind of crying and I, I was mourning what I was losing and I was mourning what, what had been lost. And then all of a sudden I hear her voice. Uh, I thought she had fallen asleep, but I, I hear her voice and this is what she says. She says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And then she skipped a few verses and, and she repeated um, one of the verses toward the end over and over again. And she said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. My tiny dying grandmother repeated over and over and over again, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. The writer Henry Nowen, he, when he talks about the Psalms, he says that they have this ability to move inside us, to move inside our bodies, inside our hearts, inside our souls, and take up space and take up residence within the rooms of our souls. He says that they have the ability uh, to become and create a true presence and a safety and a shelter within us. And I saw that happen. Right in front of my eyes, I, I saw that happen when dementia stole so much from the brain of my grandmother, it could not steal what had taken up residence in her soul. We're going to spend the next several weeks in the Psalms. It's, it's a rhythm of ours at the Vineyard. It's what we do every single summer. Um, I almost did it this summer, and, and that felt crazy. And so we're going to. We're, we're going to keep our rhythm. It, 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 it's something that we want to do on purpose, to take a breath or a pause every single summer and to rest in the words of the Psalms. Uh, every week as part of our service, we do something called Selah. We, we practice this rhythm of rest every single week. Uh, Selah is a, is a word that we stole from the Psalms. It's a word that means a holy pause or um, a word that, that could, it's the idea of waiting, of, of taking a breath, of not moving on too quickly um, from where you are. It's this Selah is this idea of allowing um, what we've read, what we've sat in, what we've been in, allowing it, um, the room to move in, to take up residence inside us. And so the reason that we do that, some version of Selah every single week is because we want to practice within our walls or within our online space. Um, we want to practice inside what we hope will become rhythm and practice outside of our space, outside of our walls. And so we take a few minutes every single Sunday to be quiet, to, to wait, to listen, uh, to pray, to pause. Because our hope is that you will learn how to work that same rhythm of quiet and rest and pause, of, of listening and praying into the days you spend outside of our building or the hours you spend outside of our online gathering. And then every summer we sit in the Psalms and we hope it feels like one big long Selah, one big long breath, one big long pause, a, a giant reminder to slow down, to stop moving so fast, to be refueled and refilled and put back together intentionally on purpose. It's another practice and rhythm that we hope will be woven into the framework of your life as you follow Jesus. Uh, God, he takes our rest seriously. It's, it's all over the scriptures. 
uh, Shabbat or Sabbath uh, or, or rest in Hebrew. It is one of the 10 commandments that God gave his people. God gave his people 10 things. And one of them was to rest. It's one of the 10 things that he wanted his people to follow. Also, uh, there's this, this other picture of, of the God of rest in, in the book of Leviticus. We find this other example um, when God asked his, his people to practice an agri agricultural practice called Shemitah. And Shemitah is, is, is all, it can also be called like the Shabbat year, or the sabbatical year. Um, but the Hebrew word Shemitah literally means release. It means to let go. Shemitah is the practice of allowing the land to rest every seven years. Every seven years to stop planting, to stop tilling, to, to stop, to allow release in the land, allow rest in the land in order to create a more bountiful harvest on the other side of it. It's still practiced, even with the wild economy all over our, our world, it's still practiced in Israel today and has been for almost 4,000 years. For almost 4,000 years, the Jewish people have allowed the land space and time to rest, to absorb to allow the rich nutrients of the soil to take up space, to multiply, to take up residence in the actual earth, the actual dirt, the actual ground. The practice of Shabbat or Sabbath or rest or Selah or Shemitah, all of these things, whatever word you want to use, they, they are crucial to our health as we follow Jesus. There's something that God takes really, truly seriously. And the Psalms, they, they are such a good place for us to come and find our rest. Uh, the Psalms are different than most of the rest of the Bible. Uh, we, we've talked about this a lot, how, how they read very differently than the stories of Jesus or the letters of Paul or, or the, the rules and, and, and sayings of the prophets. They just read uh, really differently. Scholars believe that most of the Psalms were intended um, to be songs, that they were written as songs. They have such a different structure and imagery and cadence than the other parts of the Bible. Uh, they're, they're, they're poems, nuanced and multi-leveled. Uh, I've used this illustration before, but to me, the Psalms are like um, individual spiral staircases that have the ability to take us deeper and deeper and deeper into the heart of the one who made us. The Psalms, they're, they're full of beauty and wonder and hope and imagery and celebration and worship. Uh, but then they're also full of things that I, that growing up, I thought you weren't supposed to say in church or sing in church or maybe even think uh, in, in the world. 40% of the Psalms are songs of lament. 40% of the Psalms are songs of grief and sadness and despair, betrayal, confusion, anger. They're songs of deep, deep grief. The Psalms are not just the hymn book uh, for the church. They are also the place where we can go to find the words that we are too afraid to say out loud. They're a place where we can go to find rest for our weary souls. Anne Lamott says uh, that the best sermon ever preached is one that says, me too. Uh, to me, I feel like the Psalms are one long book of me too's. I, I don't know about you, but I am a weary soul right now. Uh, the world is bonkers, right? And my life is bonkers. And, and my heart is absolutely bonkers. And I am deeply in need of rest. And my hunch is that a lot of you are too. 
Uh, I read a poem early in the Corona by Kitty O'Meara um, that talked, you, you may have seen it, it kind of went around Facebook and it talked about how um, during this season we would be people who would read books and, and do things and dream dreams and at, and at the end of it it talked about how the land would heal from the rest that was forced upon it. And, and I loved it and I thought so often about that in those first few quiet weeks about our land resting. I, I live really close to the airport and it was eerily quiet. And I live right behind Alcoa Highway and it was eerily quiet, like resting quiet. And I thought about that. I thought about our land resting from all of the stuff that we put into it and, and put on it. And, and just like God uh, asked his people to allow the land to rest, he also asked us to learn how to rest our souls, our bodies, our minds, our hearts. It's not a rest that forgets. I want to be really clear about this. We've talked about some really big stuff in the last few weeks. And I'm not saying, hey, we've talked about hard stuff. Let's rest and forget it. That, that isn't it. Uh, rest is what allows uh, the, the, the important things of the world to take up residence in us. The important things of God, the mission of God, the, the, the task that we've been talking about of protecting the Imago Dei. Rest is what allows that to take up room, to encourage us to move. It's a rest. Uh, rest done well is rest to remember. It's rest to refuel. It's rest to renew. Uh, rest doesn't mean that we aren't caring about what we cared about last week. Rest uh, doesn't mean that we stop our fights against anxiety or addictions, that we stop fighting for racial justice or healing in our people and our land. It's just the practice of a pause within the fight, a pause within the struggle. It's the practice of engaging Jesus in the middle of the struggle. It's a renewing rest in the middle of the fight. And so I think this is a really timely uh, um, season for us to spend a few weeks in the Psalms. They're a good place to rest, a good place to remember, a good place to remember how to be more human, a good place to find the words of our souls crying out of confusion and disbelief and exhaustion and all kinds of things. It's a good place to remember how to pray. Um, but I'm not just in need of rest. Um, I'm also in need of words. Uh, it, sometimes it's really confusing to know how to respond to everything all around us. And so I've been in need of words, words to give language in order to process and to pray about what I'm feeling in the middle of a world gone mad. Words uh, to allow me to bring all of myself to the God of the universe without having to hide or dress up myself or, or pretend like I feel something I don't feel. The Psalms, uh, they give words and voice to the human experience. They are written by humans to God. They give voice to what it means to be human. They, they give words um, that cry out for justice when our hearts are crying out for justice. They give words that cry out for hope when we desperately need hope. They give words that cry out for mercy, for peace, for delight, for grief, for worship. They give words and voice to our human experience. The Psalms, uh, they exist for our healing, but they also exist to heal the world. The Psalms, they give us words to remind our eyes to look for what God is up to and at work uh, all around us. They reinforce our hearts with the courage to join him in what he's doing. So here's what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks. Um, every week we're going to sit together as a whole congregation um, in a psalm, in one single psalm. 
And then I'm going to invite, every week I'm going to invite some friends to sit with me and we're just going to have a conversation about what's stirring up inside us uh, through the lens of that psalm. And then my hope is that together as a church, we will spend the week reading that same psalm over and over and over again. Here's my plan. I want to I want to read the psalm that we're in together. I want to read it every morning and every evening. I want it to be what I read when I wake up or whenever I remember to. And I want it to be what I read before I go to bed or whenever I remember to. <laughs> but that's the rhythm that I want, the morning and the evening. Maybe that's a good uh, practice for you or, or maybe it's just to read it once or maybe it's to read um, a part of the psalm every day, like one verse or one line. Um, for some of you, this will be a brand new practice. Maybe you've never read the Bible before, or maybe it's been a really, really long time since you've done it. And so I know what I'm asking you is risky to commit to reading something together with your people, with your family. I know that it's risky because you might forget or or you don't know what's gonna happen, but, but I'm asking you uh, to risk so will you do it? Will you read with us? Will you uh, stick with it and then see what sticks with you? Will you see what starts to take up residence inside you? What starts to enter in and take up space inside your soul? And then maybe write it down. Maybe you've never written in a journal before. Um, and so, so we're, you don't have to write in a journal. You can write it on a post-it or a paper towel. It doesn't matter, but, but maybe write down what it is, what, what seems to be stirring inside you. Or, or if you're one of the people, um, and, and I think that's most of us that are feeling disconnected from our people right now, maybe a good practice would be to find one other person in our church and just text like just a little piece about the Psalm. Uh, my dad does this with his two best friends. They, they read the same Psalm at the same time. And then they just text like this line, like one verse, or they'll say, this made me think of this. Or I thought of this when I experienced this. And so maybe find somebody at our church and, 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 and text a couple of lines or someone that you love, someone that you want to connect with. Um, my hope is that you will find some risk in your rest. That you will open yourself up to the words of the songs. That, that you will learn uh, to pray them. And that you will find that, that as you learn to pray them, that you will learn that they have this wild and unique ability to start praying you. To start praying you. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to start with Psalm 23. Um, it may be the most popular one, but as I started things out today, it's it's one that changed my life forever. My Psalm 23 took up residence in my grandmother's soul. And as she said the words, it did the same thing in mine. She, I, I, I took what, what took up residence in her, took up residence in me because of it. And so um, it may be a really familiar one to you, um, but, but we're, we're going to make room for the familiar. God can speak through words we already know. So um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read it through two times really slowly. That's going to be our Selah today. As I'm just going to read through really slowly, I'm going to pray, read it two times, and then we'll come to the table together. Um, so here's my hope. If you can, uh, close your eyes and listen. Or if, if you're better reading, we'll, we'll post it over in the, in, in the chat and you can follow along with us. But will you, will you try a quiet pause? Some of you are dying laughing at me right now because your kids are going bonkers or your dog's going bonkers or there's people knocking on your door or something. Um, I know a quiet minute is a big ask right now. And so, but my hope is, and I'll pray for it. We'll just ask for a miraculous move of the spirit that allows you to be quiet for a few seconds. And if it doesn't work now, maybe just come back to this part of the video later or read it on your own later. But, um, 
But anyway, so I, I'm going to read, we normally read out of the NLT translation, but today I'm going to read um, from the ESV because the language is a little bit more familiar. Uh, that's something, as if maybe you're reading the same psalm every day, something I like to do is read it in a different translation every time I read it. Um, one that is wonderful for this is the message. Uh, the message version of the Bible was written by Eugene Peterson, and, and when he went to like re, re, or do this version of the whole Bible, he started with the psalms. He was a pastor, and he just wanted to give... A, his people access to the prayers of thousands of years ago. It's the prayer of David and Asaph and sons of Korah and all of these people. And he just wanted the prayers of thousands of years ago to, to, to take up residence as people by offering them the prayers in their own words, words that they would actually use. And so the message is a great, great, great resource in the Psalms. It's a great place to go if you're looking um, to read them. So I'm going to pray and then we'll be really quiet and we'll read together. So Father, um, I thank you that, that you meet us exactly where we are. And we thank you that there are, um, there's this whole section of poems in the middle of the scriptures that do that for us, that, that have the ability to meet us where we are, that they meet us in worship and celebration, that they meet us in grief and our cries for justice. And so God, we just ask you um, that as we, uh, take this rest this summer, that as we take this Selah for the next few weeks, that you would use these words to take up space inside our souls, to take up residence inside our souls, that these would be things that, that nothing has the ability to steal. And so God, I ask for a few quiet minute, minutes. We ask your spirit um, for the miraculous uh, quiet minute in um, what are probably really loud houses. And I pray uh, for your felt presence in houses that feel way too quiet. And so we just ask you to calm Holy Spirit. Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.